Chapters twenty six to thirty one of Tristram Shandy, Volume four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Martin Geeson. The Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, Gentleman volume four last volume by lawrence stern chapter twenty six it is with love as with cuckoldom but now i am talking of beginning a book and have long had a thing upon my mind to be imparted to the reader which if not imparted now can never be imparted to him as long as i live whereas the comparison may be imparted to him any hour in the day i'll just mention it and begin in good earnest the thing is this that of all the several ways of beginning a book which are now in practice throughout the known world i am confident my own way of doing it is the best i am sure it is the most religious for i begin with writing the first sentence and trusting to almighty god for the second twould cure an author for ever of the fuss and folly of opening his street door and calling in his neighbours and friends and kinsfolk with the devil and all his imps with their hammers and engines etc only to observe how one sentence of mine follows another and how the plan follows the whole i wish you saw me half starting out of my chair with what confidence as i grasp the elbow of it i look up catching the idea even sometimes before it halfway reaches me i believe in my conscience i intercept many a thought which heaven intended for another man pope and his portrait vide pope's portrait are fools to me no martyr is ever so full of faith or fire i wish i could say of good works too but i have no zeal or anger or anger or zeal and till gods and men agree together to call it by the same name the errantest tartuffe in science in politics or in religion shall never kindle a spark within me or have a worse word or a more unkind greeting than what he will read in the next chapter chapter twenty seven bonjour good morrow so you have got your cloak on betimes but tis a cold morning and you judge the matter rightly tis better to be well mounted than go afoot and obstructions in the glands are dangerous and how goes it with thy concubine thy wife and thy little ones of both sides 
and when did you hear from the old gentleman and lady your sister aunt uncle and cousins i hope they have got better of their colds coughs claps toothaches fevers stranguries sciaticas swellings and sore eyes what a devil of an apothecary to take so much blood give such a vile purge puke poultice plaster night-draught clister blister and why so many grains of calomel santa maria and such a dose of opium periclitating pardi the whole family of ye from head to tail by my great-aunt dinah's old black velvet mask i think there is no occasion for it now this being a little bald about the chin by frequently putting off and on before she was got with child by the coachman not one of our family would wear it after to cover the mask afresh was more than the mask was worth and to wear a mask which was bald or which could be half seen through was as bad as having no mask at all this is the reason may it please your reverences that in all our numerous family for these four generations we count no more than one archbishop a welsh judge some three or four aldermen and a single mountebank in the sixteenth century we boast of no less than a dozen alchemists chapter twenty eight it is with love as with cuckoldom the suffering party is at least the third but generally the last in the house who knows anything about the matter this comes as all the world knows from having half a dozen words for one thing and so long as what in this vessel of the human frame is love may be hatred in that sentiment half a yard higher and nonsense no madam not there i mean at the part i am now pointing to with my forefinger how can we help ourselves of all mortal and immortal men too if you please whoever soliloquized upon this mystic subject my uncle toby was the worst fitted to have pushed his researches through such a contention of feelings and he had infallibly let them all run on as we do worse matters to see what they would turn out had not bridget's pre-notification of them to susanna and susanna's repeated manifestos thereupon to all the world made it necessary for my uncle toby to look into the affair chapter twenty nine 
why weavers gardeners and gladiators or a man with a pined leg proceeding from some ailment in the foot should ever have had some tender nymph breaking her heart in secret for them are points well and duly settled and accounted for by ancient and modern physiologists a water-drinker provided he is a professed one and does it without fraud or covin is precisely in the same predicament not that at first sight there is any consequence or show of logic in it that a rill of cold water dribbling through my inward parts should light up a torch in my jenny's the proposition does not strike one on the contrary it seems to run opposite to the natural workings of causes and effects but it shows the weakness and imbecility of human reason and in perfect good health with it the most perfect madam that friendship herself could wish me and drink nothing nothing but water impetuous fluid the moment thou pressest against the floodgates of the brain see how they give way in swims curiosity beckoning to her damsels to follow they dive into the centre of the current fancy sits musing upon the bank and with her eyes following the stream turns straws and bulrushes into masts and bowsprits and desire with vest held up to the knee in one hand snatches at them as they swim by her with the other o oh, ye water-drinkers is it then by this delusive fountain that ye have so often governed and turned this world about like a mill-wheel grinding the faces of the impotent be powdering their ribs be peppering their noses and changing sometimes even the very frame and face of nature if i was you quoth yorick i would drink more water eugenius and if i was you yorick replied eugenius so would i which shows they had both read longinus for my own part i am resolved never to read any book but my own as long as i live chapter thirty i wish my uncle toby had been a water-drinker for then the thing had been accounted for that the first moment widow wadman saw him she felt something stirring within her in his favour something 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 perhaps more than friendship less than love something no matter what no matter where i would not give a single hair off my mule's tail and be obliged to pluck it off myself 
indeed the villain has not many to spare and is not a little vicious into the bargain to be let by your worships into the secret but the truth is my uncle toby was not a water-drinker he drank it neither pure nor mixed or anyhow or anywhere except fortuitously upon some advanced posts where better liquor was not to be had or during the time he was under cure when the surgeon telling him it would extend the fibres and bring them sooner into contact my uncle toby drank it for quietness sake now as all the world knows that no effect in nature can be produced without a cause and as it is as well known that my uncle toby was neither a weaver a gardener or a gladiator unless as a captain you will needs have him one but then he was only a captain of foot and besides the whole is an equivocation there is nothing left for us to suppose but that my uncle toby's leg but that will avail us little in the present hypothesis unless it had proceeded from some ailment in the foot whereas his leg was not emaciated from any disorder in his foot for my uncle toby's leg was not emaciated at all it was a little stiff and awkward from a total disuse of it for the three years he lay confined at my father's house in town but it was plump and muscular and in all other respects as good and promising a leg as the other i declare i do not recollect any one opinion or passage of my life where my understanding was more at a loss to make ends meet and torture the chapter i had been writing to the service of the chapter following it than in the present case one would think i took a pleasure into running into difficulties of this kind merely to make fresh experiments of getting out of them inconsiderate soul that thou art what are not the unavoidable distresses which as an author and a man thou art hemmed in on every side of thee are they tristram not sufficient but thou must entangle thyself still more is it not enough that thou art in debt and that thou hast ten cartloads of thy fifth and sixth volumes still still unsold and art almost at thy wit's ends how to get them off thy hands to this hour art thou not tormented with the vile asthma that thou gattest in skating against the wind in flanders and is it but two months ago that in a fit of laughter on seeing a cardinal make water like a quirister with both hands thou breakest a vessel in thy lungs whereby in two hours thou lost as many quarts of blood 
and hadst thou lost as much more did not the faculty tell thee it would have amounted to a gallon chapter thirty one but for heaven's sake let us not talk of quarts or gallons let us take the story straight before us it is so nice and intricate to one it will scarce bear the transposition of a single tittle and somehow or other you have got me thrust almost into the middle of it i beg we may take more care end of chapter thirty one recording by martin geeson in Hazelmere, Surrey.